You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. Who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna and unto Pergamos and unto Thyatira and unto Sardis and unto Philadelphia and unto Laodicea. Uh, the overriding theme of the book of Revelation is the return of Jesus Christ to defeat all evil. You know, he's coming back. And at, when he comes back, uh, right now it seems like we're on the losing side. We know we're on the winning side, but everywhere we look, it seems as though we are on uh, the losing side. But when the Lord comes back, uh, he is going to put down all evil. What a, what a wonderful day, uh, looking forward to that. Uh, and so when we look at that, he's going to put down evil, he is going to establish uh, his reign, and we are going to be able to be uh, led and governed by a righteous judge, a righteous king. Uh, earlier today, I uh, got a uh, just some uh, texts that were coming in and emails that were coming in about uh, some of the different uh, uh, legislation things that are taking place in our nation. And uh, it just makes you scratch your head. It makes you get upset. Uh, and you, you see what's going on. Uh, I am not an In-N-Out fan. Not that I hate In-N-Out. They're just not my favorite burger place. But I'm going to go buy a bunch of In-N-Out burgers just because of what they're going through uh, down in San Francisco. Uh, it's just ridiculous. Uh, they, they took a stand. They're not going to uh, require people. Uh, they're not going to be the police on who's had a vaccination and who's not going to have a vaccination. And they stood up. And so uh, I just became an In-N-Out fan. Uh, and so I'm uh, not turning my back on five guys, Brother David, uh, but uh, I am for anyone that's standing for, uh, just standing for freedom and standing uh, for truth. But, uh, but with this, I mean, there's so much that's going on in our world, and it seems like everywhere we look that evil prevails. Hearing about the school systems that are mandating that just in Davis, they're mandating that the kids wear their mask while they eat lunch. And if they are put food in their mouth, they have to put their mask back up while they're chewing. Another in Sonoma County, another school district, decided that it is safer for all the kids to eat outside in the rain. They cannot be inside for lunch. And you just, you just wonder, what is going on in our world? How can, how can any of this even be a reality? But the Lord said it was going to wax worse and worse. 
Now, I don't know how much worse it's going to wax. When you say wax, it's wax on, wax off. <laughs> Go back to the 80s there. And, you know, it's going to get worse and worse. And we know that's the case, but the Lord's coming back. He's coming back. You know, and since he's coming back, let's just keep our eyes on him. Because it, it is easy to get disgruntled. It is easy to get angry. It's easy to get sidetracked. But we've got a, we've got a mission that he wants us to fulfill. And the mission he has left us here is not to fight our government. That's not the mission. Amen. That's not the mission. I mean, we're going to stand, we're going to be truth, we're going to be light. And where, where there is opposition and infringements on our religious liberties, we're going to stand up. Not changing that. But that's not the mission. The mission is to communicate truth. And that's what we have got to do. And so here as we look, I want to look at several things tonight as we open up uh, the scripture here. We're going to start here in verse number 9. And we're going to look at several things here out of the book of Revelation. And let's go ahead and open up and pray. Father, we come before you so thankful for your goodness. Thank you for being a God who we can come to and there is no problem, there is no burden, there is no uh, issue that we face that you cannot handle. There is nothing that you allow us to go through that you will not give us the help, the strength, the grace, and your presence to be able to endure. And so I pray that you'd help us tonight. I pray that you just meet the needs that we have. Uh, may we see you tonight. May we focus on uh, your word. And may you be honored, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. All right, so several things here. I want you to see, first of all, in verse number 9 uh, through verse 11, what John heard. Number one, what John heard. Verse number 9, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and behold, and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, and he lists the rest of the churches there. Now I want you to see several things here in this salutation uh, before he really gets into what he was receiving. Uh, look at the salutation, I, John, who also am your brother. Just, just think about here, John is identifying and coming alongside the individuals that he's writing to. He's coming alongside us. And he's saying, I am your brother. Uh, there was, uh, he was saying, I am your companion in tribulation. It says that, uh, he says, companion in tribulation. And in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. He says, I'm part of the same kingdom. And he says, and the patience of Jesus Christ. Uh, why did he mention patience? You know, things weren't working well for John. Things in the local government, 
John had been exiled to Patmos. He had been sent to a, an island being removed from people. And, and here it says, uh, was in the isle that is called Patmos. Why was he there? For the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. So now he finds himself exiled from society and it was for his testimony. For the word of God, his stance on the word of God and his testimony of Jesus Christ. His witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wasn't, he wasn't staying silent uh, about the Lord. And now John finds himself in a place of persecution and he was saying, listen, Listen, I'm your brother. He says, we're all in this together. You know what, that, that just helps all of us because when problems come our way, what's the first thing we want to do? Woe is me. We feel like we're the only one. Sort of like Elijah, you remember? He says, Lord, I'm the only one that's standing. And the Lord had to tell him, no. He says, I've got 7,000 that have not bowed the knee to Baal. But but Elijah felt like he was by himself. You know, you and I, we're not by ourselves. And there are others who are brothers in tribulation. There are people that we need to be brother to who are in tribulation. There needs, there needs to be in our life the ability. We may not be somebody that is facing persecution, but what do we need to do? We need to look around and we need to see others who are in times of turmoil, others who are in time of trouble, uh, others who are facing pressures in life. And what do we do? We come alongside them. John was, was pinning this, but as he was pinning this uh, letter to the seven churches, uh, recognizing that they were facing burdens, he just wanted them to know, hey, you've got some else that's pulling for you. You've got a brother uh, who is uh, in tribulation as well. Somebody else who has, who has suffered for the Savior. But notice here, he doesn't point out his suffering. He makes reference to it just enough so people will know that he has dealt with some issues. It's just an identifier it wasn't that he was trying to one-up somebody. It wasn't that he was trying to solicit their, their, uh, their compassion or, or pity. John was here. He was identifying with them as someone who has endured persecution. He's identifying with them uh, not to try to get uh, consolation, but in order to give consolation. And so uh, just something for us as we are uh, noticing just this uh, salutation, uh, he was a comrade in tribulation, uh, but he didn't go on about his exile. He was just trying to make a connection with others so he could make them feel as though they were not the only ones. Uh, and all of us all of us can take those opportunities when we are in a time of trouble uh, to turn around and use that to be a help and encouragement uh, to others. But what do we see here? Uh, first of all, what John heard. What did John hear? Uh, let's look again. Uh, verse number 10, John 1, 10. He said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Now, first of all, uh, that's how we ought to live. 
be in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. All right, Lord's Day is the first day of the week, but really every day is the Lord's Day. And here John was saying, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Now, notice here uh, the capital S. I was in the Holy Spirit. I was in presence of the Spirit of God. I was in communion with the Spirit of God. It wasn't just that he was present at church. It wasn't just a location, it was a condition where he was spiritually. You know what, that challenges me, uh, because on, on the Lord's Day, and every day is the Lord's Day, uh, but especially when it comes to uh, church day, uh, it comes to Sunday, it comes to being with God's people, uh, are we preparing our heart? And here John, he was saying, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. He said, I was, I was in communion with God on the Lord's day. Uh, and when he was in that condition, he heard something. I wonder if we don't hear something because we're not in the Spirit. You know, there are a lot of messages that I have sat through and got zero out of. Was it that God's Word wasn't powerful? Was it that nothing that was said could have impacted my life? No, I just wasn't in the Spirit. I wasn't in a place of receptiveness. I was not in communion with the Spirit of God. And in doing something, we can be in the right place and be in the wrong spot. Right? Have you ever sat in church? And maybe somebody else was homesick, and you come home and say, what was the service about? Uh, yeah. Sometimes I'll preach a message, and somebody will say, what was the message about? Uh, give me a second. But the reality is, we need to be in the Lord's, in the Spirit. And in doing so, John heard. But if we're not, if we are not in tune with the Spirit of God, we are not going to hear spiritual things. And if we are in the, the right spirit, God will speak to us. So John, what did he hear? Uh, first of all, we see uh, in verse number 10, he said, I was in the Spirit in the Lord's day. I don't think we're getting to verse 18. Uh, and heard behind me a voice uh, as of a trumpet. And, and so John, here he is hearing a trumpet-like voice. Uh, he's in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and he hears behind him a great voice as of a trumpet and, and, and saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Uh, what was it? It was God speaking to him. Jesus was speaking to him. Uh, he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and the Lord himself. I am Alpha and Omega, uh, the beginning and the end. He is speaking uh, to John. And as John is listening, he hears this voice behind him, a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, 
write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia. And then he lists the churches, and we will spend time looking at those seven churches when we get to chapter 2 in about 30 weeks. Uh, but uh, uh, no, uh, look at verse number 12. Uh, he says, and I turned to see the voice that spake with me. You know what? That little statement right there has arrested my attention. I turned to see the voice. When we think about somebody speaking and we hear a voice, do we turn to see the voice or do we turn to see the person? And John here said, I turned to see the voice that spake with me. Now that's not on accident. And here we think, what is it? Who is it that was speaking to him? It was Jesus. What is Jesus? Who is Jesus? He is the Word. So here when, when John was turning to see the voice, he was turning to see the person of Christ. He was turning uh, to see the Lord, and his voice uh, was like a trumpet, the voice as of a trumpet. So we know uh, here that this is, a, this is a figurative passage of Scripture. Now, uh, when you look at the laws of interpretation, uh, we want to be very careful that we, we do not spiritualize or make something figurative that is supposed to be literal, and we don't want to take something literal that is supposed to be figurative. Now, uh, the standard way to translate and understand uh, Scripture is that you always treat it literally unless it tells you otherwise. That is a law of, uh, of interpretation. And so when you're looking at the, uh, the scripture here, and it says that the voice was as a trumpet, all right? So we know that the Lord speaking was not a trumpet speaking. It was as a trumpet, all right? So what is that telling us? It's telling us that this is figurative. And all through this scripture, we are going to find how he, he shows and uses these figurative uh, terms. When you go to verse number 20, we're not going to go there, but uh, when you're looking at verse number 20, what you'll find is the stars. You'll see the candlesticks. Well, you, the stars are the, the messengers. The messengers are the pastors. Uh, other times they're called the angels. Uh, but then you will see uh, the candlesticks, which were the churches. The church is not a candlestick. It's figurative. And so here when we're looking at this passage of Scripture, uh, these are figures to help us just grasp a little bit of understanding, just like the Lord when He was here, He would speak in parables. Why? Uh, he was taking a heavenly truth and He was wrapping it in an earthly way so that we could grab a hold of that meaning. And He would use parables uh, to be able to communicate these truths. And that's what's happening here. Uh, and all through the book of Revelation, there is so much symbolism uh, that's tied here. Uh, but we see that uh, what he heard was a trumpet-like voice. It was a voice as of a trumpet. Uh, so when you see like unto, like as, 
or as of. These are, all, these are all terms that help you recognize that what you are seeing is going to be symbolic. Uh, and it was as a trumpet. Now, I played trumpet. And what is a trumpet? A trumpet is loud. A trumpet is, is clear. You know, there are some sounds that, that when you, when you are instruments, when you play them, they can be pretty fuzzy. There's nothing fuzzy about a trumpet. And, and with that, it is loud, it is clear, it is, it is broadcasting. Uh, I remember uh, when I was in band and we would play, uh, right in front of us uh, was the, the woodwinds. And so here we were, uh, we had the, here I had a trumpet and we had the clarinets and uh, the saxophones, they were in front of us. Pastor, what did you do? I blared my trumpet. That's uh, what I did. Uh, and uh, what happened was, on sometimes, sometimes uh, the uh, uh, the uh, uh, the band teacher would have us put mutes in, and that mute would go in to mu- to muffle the sound. But a trumpet is something that's very loud. It's very clear. The voice of the Lord, His word is powerful. His word is clear. He doesn't have to mix his words. You know why they use trumpets in battle? They said if the trumpet have an uncertain sound, uh, and, and if the, whoever was playing the trumpet did not hit the right notes, it wasn't going to give the instruction to those that were in battle of what they should do, what direction they should go. And they would use trumpets uh, to direct an army, and just by the sound, they could get them to change direction, north, south, east, west. They could get them to turn around. They could get them to stop. They could get them to move forward. They could get them to fight. They could get them to retreat. All of it was done with a trumpet. And God's word is the direction for our life. His word's the direction. And John, he heard this voice. It was loud. It was powerful. It was clear. Uh, Verse number 11, saying, I am Alpha and Omega. So this trumpet-like voice was the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see the deity of Christ here. Uh, He says, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Now, when you look at Alpha and Omega, in Scripture we find that this was referencing many times the Father. Uh, Look back at verse number uh, 8. In verse number 8, it said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord which is, and which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Uh, chapter 21 and verse number 6, we see in Revelation 21, 6, And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. And so we have, uh, we have God the Father uh, being the one that is uh, the Alpha and Omega. Uh, you have the Son being Alpha and Omega, Revelation 111, uh, Revelation 2213. Uh, for time's sake, we're going to go ahead and, and I'll just give you the, the scripture there. But uh, here, what, what do we find? We find the deity of the Lord. And now, uh, when John was hearing the voice of the Lord, what, he, what we find is he is being commissioned 
to write the book. He has been given the instruction to write the book. Uh, the book that we have is not man's word. It's God's word. And it wasn't given by the thoughts of man or the intent of man. It was given by the Lord. And here John is being commissioned uh, to write this. And in doing so, he is going to take this, this letter and he's going to send it to the seven churches uh, of Asia Minor. So we see, first of all, uh, what John heard. Secondly, what John saw. Look with me at verse number 12. He says, And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white uh, like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, and as, as if they burned in a furnace. Now do you notice in some of those as, as if? All right, so these are just symbolic and his voice as the sound of many waters and he had in his right hand seven stars uh, out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword and his countenance was as the sun that shineth in his strength and so here he turned to see the voice uh, the person of the voice was the lord uh, and and he, we see in verse 12 what he saw was candlesticks he saw candlesticks, uh, and, and these candlesticks uh, were, were there. Uh, he said, uh, and I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Now, that will refer back to verse number 20. Uh, let's go ahead and skip there. It says, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. And so, now what we find here is that he has, he has seen some things symbolically, but the seven candlesticks were the churches, and then the seven stars, uh, and later will be called angels. Uh, they are the pastors of those seven churches. And so he's looking at that. He sees seven golden candlesticks in verse 12. Uh, he sees in verse 13, one like unto the Son of Man. Now, what do we find the Lord called in the Gospels? The Son of Man. He referred to himself as the Son of Man. And here, John, who was used to pin the Gospel of John, the Son of Man, now is looking, and who is he seeing? He is seeing the one that 60 years earlier he walked and talked with. You know, one of these days, we're going to see the one that we talk to now. Right now, we walk by faith. Right now, when we, we stop and we pray and times that we're talking to the Lord, one day we're going to see Him. That is, that is just a thought that is so hard to grasp. As great as God is, 
And as John is turning around, he is seeing the glorified Savior. He's seeing the one uh, that he had, uh, he had worked alongside, that he had served, that he loved. Uh, we find uh, that one like unto the Son of Man. Uh, he was clothed with a garment uh, down to his foot. He had a golden girdle about his paps, the Bible says, talking about the chest. His head and his hair uh, were as white as wool, as white as snow. Just the, the holiness that's there. His eyes were as a flame of fire. You know, have you ever, have you ever been in trouble and maybe mom was looking at you and, or dad was looking at you and you knew you were toast? You know that look? There was, a, there was a look that I gave the kids when, I, when they were younger in church, and, and I would be sitting up here on the platform, and if they were messing around I, and they caught my eye, I would look at them, and they knew. I mean, all of a sudden, it was they were going to listen. You know, here, looking at, into the eyes of the Savior... Can you imagine looking into the eyes of the one who can see everything in your soul? Knowing that there is nothing that's hid from him. That's pretty amazing. And here John turns and he's looking at the Lord. Our false pretenses... Us trying to show like everything's good. When it's not. And just looking into the eyes of the Savior. And He can see and you can feel that He knows everything. You know the reality is those eyes are watching us The eyes of the Lord are in every place. Beholding the evil and the good. His eyes. He doesn't miss anything. You know, we miss so much, don't we? I remember when I was coaching basketball. Those refs would mess up and I had no problem letting them know. I didn't wear glasses back then, and we've had a few. Uh, I have had a few technical fouls in my day as a coach. And so uh, my assistant coach wore glasses, uh, Roy Hansen. And, and I remember uh, one time uh, the ref, I mean, refing was terrible. And I, I remember running past him, and, and you could only go so far. There was lines on the court, and you could go up to a certain point, and you and so you had your, your realm that you could move as the head coach. And I remember running past Brother Hanson. I grabbed his glasses off of his face. And I, sa- I said, Ref, do you need these? <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying to get his attention. Beep! Technical foul. Uh, and uh, then at that point, when you get a technical foul, you have to sit down. 
and you cannot stand up. Uh, you get two technical fouls, you get kicked out of the game. And so I've never been kicked out of the game, uh, but I've had several technical fouls. One time I was talking to the ref and I said, can't you guys see what's going on here or something? I don't remember what it was. And, and he said, coach, sit down. I said, you can't give me a seatbelt until I have a technical foul. Boop! <laughs> coach, sit down. All right, so I had to sit down. Uh, but you know what? I remember as a coach, I would think that I could see things that were going on. But then those times where a ref didn't show up and I had to, co- I had to ref somebody else's game, and all of a sudden the whistle was in my mouth, I recognized how little and how easy it is to miss things. But the Lord doesn't miss anything. His eyes, what, what did John see? Uh, John saw the Lord. Uh, he saw his, his, his purity. He saw his eyes uh, like unto a, a flame of fire. Uh, verse 15, uh, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. Uh, his, his feet like unto fine brass. Uh, his voice as the sound of many waters, loud, powerful, full, unmistakable. Uh, and, you know, you get close to water that's running, you get close to the ocean, you can hear it. And you know exactly what it is. You know, hey, that's the ocean, that's the, the water that's there. Uh, it's unmistakable. Uh, in his right hand, verse number 16, uh, he says, And he had in his right hand uh, seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp, sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength, uh, so that uh, his, his, uh, uh, in his right hand the stars, uh, his mouth a two-edged sword, his countenance uh, as the sun that shineth. Now, I imagine that John, as he was looking at the brightness of the Savior, he probably referred back to when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, when the Lord took Peter, James, and John, and they went up on top of the mountain, and before their eyes, he was transfigured into his glorified body. Matthew chapter 17, that took place. Matthew 17, verse number 1. It says, And after six days Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him, then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Absolutely. To be in the presence of the Lord, it is good for us to be here. And John, I'm sure as he's looking and he's seeing the glorified Savior, his mind rushes back and, hey, I remember this. And he's seeing the Lord before him. He saw a vision of the glorified Christ. What a blessing. So we see what what did John hear? What did John see? What what John, thirdly, what John did? Verse 17. What John did. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. 
And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and death. What did he do? He fell on his face before the Lord. He fell at his feet. He fell at his feet as dead. What was there? There was a fear of God. God is not one that we should be chummy with. You get out and talk to people and, yeah, the man upstairs. God's not the man upstairs. He's the high and lofty one. And here John saw him. His automatic response was worship. And you and I, the closer we get to the Lord, that time of worship should get sweeter. It shouldn't be that we get more casual. You know, we get around each other, and the closer you get to somebody, the more you tease. The more you have a little bit of just that natural humanity. And that's great with us this way. But the more we get to know Him, it ought to be the more that we see and sense how great He is. And we see how little we are. The fear of God, the respect of God was there. He is the exalted and holy one. Daniel chapter number 10 and verses 7 through 9 say this, And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone, and I saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. Yet heard I the voice of his words. And when I heard the voice uh, of his words, then was I and a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. Come into the presence of God, and there ought to be just a respect, an attitude of worship. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 16 says this, Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth, Know we him no more. He's not a man. He's God. And here there was a change. The Apostle Paul was, was referencing, there was, a, there was a relationship here, and it's completely different now. And here we... We know him no more after the flesh. You know, as we see here that John, when he saw the Lord, we find the response of the Lord to him. There was that worship. But being honored and enabled to be in his presence, 
we find the Lord allowed him to be there. See the touch, verse number 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me. Now, wait a second. It wasn't just that he laid his hand upon him. He laid his right hand. The right hand is the hand of honor. And here, John was honored to be in the presence of God. And it is an honor for us to come into the presence of God. You know, the Lord said that we may come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And here, what is it? There's a God gives us that opportunity. He gives us that honor of coming in to his presence. And, and so here he said, uh, he fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me. We see the touch. We see the encouragement when he came into the presence of the Lord. Fear not. Fear not. You know, the Lord, when we talk about the fear of the Lord, we are talking about the respect and honor but God doesn't want us to be fearful of him. What was there? There was a touch. And the touch then was followed by fear not. When there's an abusive relationship, the hand is fearful. But the Lord's touch doesn't cause us to cower in fear because of abuse. And here as he, he encourages fear not, our ability to live without fear is because of who he is. He said, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. And because of who he was, that's how John could be in his presence without fear. Verse 18, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. And there's not only uh, the touch and the encouragement, there was the assurance. His presence, his power was there. Uh, he had the keys of hell and death. You know what? We're in the Lord's hand. We're not to fear what man shall do unto us. Why? Because the Lord's the one that's got the keys. He's the one that's going to determine what's happening in our life. He knows what's coming tomorrow. He knows, he knows what, what the inflation might look like. He knows what the financial reversals might look like. He knows what the health conditions might look like. He knows what government interference might look like. And we don't fear not because of what we can control, but because of who we know is in control. So John here, it was not only what he heard, what he saw, but his great response was what he did. And what he did was worship. And that's what we need to do. 
Father, I thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for uh, just giving us your word, and I pray that you would help us, uh, Lord, to truly be able to come to a place where uh, we recognize our great need of, of spending time with you, of worshiping you. And I pray that you'd help us to have that uh, close relationship. Help us to sense, uh, Lord, your touch in our lives. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to uh, be able, Lord, to be encouraged by your presence. And Lord, may we have confidence. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.